0: Good
1: afternoon and welcome. Well, we have an entire hour on yesterday's testimony before the Finance Committee lined up for you today. And we want to hear from you. I'm sure a lot of you were watching some or all of that marathon four-hour testimony that we heard yesterday. Uh, the numbers to call? 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 And the questions are, what is the upshot of yesterday's marathon parliamentary testimony by the Kielberger brothers? Did they put the scandal uh, over that half-billion-dollar contract uh, to rest, or did they spark... Further questions? Uh, Did anything change in terms of the public's perception of what happened, in terms of your perception of what happened? Uh, Was this a cozy quid pro quo deal, or as they insisted, just a case of uh, we trying to help the government out in a Crisis? And what are the questions about their own charity and its relationship with their for profit entities? We will have all of that covered. Again, I'd like to give the numbers out 416 360 0740, toll free 1 866 740 4740. 40. And now let's go to one of the MPs who was one of the key questioners yesterday, and that is MP Pierre Polievre, who is the conservative finance critic. Pierre Polievre, thanks so much for being with us.
2: Great to be with you.
1: Did you get the answers you were looking for yesterday?
2: We got some explosive revelations. Uh, first of all, we learned that the Trudeau family has received uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars of additional expenses reimbursements from the Kilberger network, m- more money than we originally knew. It. Of course, we already knew that the Trudeau family had been paid over $300,000 in speaking fees. Now we know that accommodations, uh, transportation, and other expense reimbursements add up to in the neighborhood of Uh, $100,000. One reporter calculated that we're now uh, around almost half a million dollars that the Kielbergers and the WE organizations have paid the Trudeau family. We also learned that uh, Margaret Trudeau only began getting paid for speaking after her son became prime minister. So you would think that if she had some expertise uh, to justify all the speaking fees, she would have been paid for that expertise, before he took office. But uh, curiously, those payments only began after he took office. So you really have to wonder whether or not they were paying for her speeches or if they were paying for political power.
1: A couple of uh, questions I have. So first of all, they kept insisting that uh, with that proposed deal, they wouldn't make a cent of profit. It was just expenses. Is that believable?
2: Yes and it's irrelevant. You don't have to make a profit to make money. It's weasel words. Uh, We know all kinds of people who own numbered companies that don't run profits, but the owners are are, are multi-multi-millionaires. Why? Because they they, they pay expenses through the organization to themselves. And as I proved in the committee yesterday, there's nothing in the contribution agreement to prevent the Kielberger brothers from paying themselves and declaring that those payments to be expenses under the contribution agreement. In fact, one section of the agreement says that uh, they can pay salaries and wages without even keeping timesheets to show hours worked. So um, it's absolutely accurate that they wouldn't that, that the we charity wouldn't make a profit. It's supposedly a charity; it's not ever supposed to make a profit. But that doesn't mean the people who control the charity can't themselves make money, and that's what's that's the issue at stake here.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the other thing that uh, they kept saying is that they did not make the first call to the government. The government called them, they were doing the government a favor, but I believe there's, there's evidence that back in April they were in touch with the government.
2: Yes, and in fact, uh, the, their testimony contradicts that of the public servant whom they claim asked them to do this project. That public servant said that she simply called to ask for their input, and that they came to her two days later with a proposal uh, that ultimately transformed into this half billion dollar contribution. So it, it really uh, it was, it does appear to have been the Kielbergers and the We Charity who initiated this with the public service, not the other way around. Uh, The other thing that I would point out is that we're still waiting for a full full accounting of all the contacts that the Kielberger brothers and their intermediaries had with members of the minister's offices and the cabinet itself. Uh, We know that there were a myriad of conversations in the month of April uh, between the two sides, and uh, we also know that the Kielbergers failed to properly register as lobbyists uh, to... uh, uh, track those interactions, so we want to. We're looking forward to getting answers to that as well.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, in terms of that, they kept saying that lobbying was actually a very small part of what they do. Is that uh, is that a good explanation?
2: The Lobbying Act is very clear. I helped pass it into law when I was uh, in the Harper government, and it says that if your organization spends the equivalent. 20% of the time of one employee on influencing or lobbying the government, then you have to register as a lobbyist. Uh, so again, if you take all the meetings, all the phone calls, all the text messages, uh, all of the time t- to write proposals for the We U charity to get government money, there's no doubt that it added up to more than 20% of the time of a single employee uh, equivalent Uh, and therefore they ought to have registered. And that's why I've asked the lobbying commissioner to investigate, and I'm looking forward to seeing the results of that investigation.
1: There are a lot of questions raised about the charity and the relationship of the charity itself. A lot of people say that's not relevant to this. What's your view on that?
2: Well, it is relevant because the charity gets charitable tax benefits, so they, they benefit from... Very generous tax credits that they can award their donors. They are tax free on their on the uh, the revenues that they earn. Uh, there are major tax advantages to being registered as a charity, and those advantages come at the expense of the taxpayer. So, if you're truly a charity, then you shouldn't behave uh, otherwise. If the charity is is sending money to outside uh, interests uh, to, to to benefit people who control the charity, then that would not be consistent with what uh, the charitable tax credit is meant to, to provide. It would also be a problem from the point of view of the donors who think that their money is going to uh, feed uh, children and build schools and dig wells if the money, in fact, is going to you know take powerful politicians like Bill Morneau and other influential people on Five star vacations, then that's not what people think they're donating for, and and the group should be honest about that.
1: Which of your questions did you not get answered?
2: Well, uh, we we still don't know all, we don't know about all the communications that went on between the Trudeau cabinet and the Kielbergers. We don't know uh, how many staff members they communicated with. Uh, We we still don't know um, whether or not. The, the brothers uh, benefited in any way uh, indirectly by subcontracting some of their, the, to, to, to their numbered companies, uh, or, and we, and we still don't know a lot about the very complicated uh, real estate transactions that the brothers, the charity, the me-to-we for-profit company are, are engaged in. Um, and so all of those uh, things are mysterious. We we don't know how the, the brothers were able to accumulate, or, and their network was able to accumulate $41 million in real estate, some of that owned by the charity, some of it owned by related entities, but you would think that if you're spending all your money on helping the poor in, in the developing world, that it would be hard, awfully hard to, to, to accumulate a, that kind of real estate holding. So those are all questions that remain unanswered, and uh, we look forward to, to getting answers.
1: They were also asked about their own remuneration from all these various sources, and they said they'd have to look it up. What do you think of that?
2: Well, they, they, they were asked point blank about their, their, the personal compensation they received, and then they, they uh, uh, patently refused to answer the question. Um, and uh, look, bottom line is my salary is public. I'm a public official. These people are receiving, wanting to receive half a billion dollar contribution agreement from taxpayers and claiming that they're not gaining from it. Oh, fine. Then just reveal your compensation. The CEOs and executives of big publicly traded companies reveal all of their salaries and compensation. Uh, So what would be the reason for keeping secret uh, the compensation that the Kielbergers enjoy?
1: What are you going to be asking the Prime Minister tomorrow when he appears?
2: Well, we're looking carefully at that question right now, and uh, we'll... We'll, we'll form a strategy. We don't want, obviously, for uh, to foreshadow our plans, but uh, we'll definitely have some questions about the fact that he broke the conflict of interest act again in uh, failing to recuse himself from a grant to a, an organization that had paid his family over four hundred thousand dollars in fees and reimbursements. So uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll that will be one among any questions.
1: It seems pretty clear that uh, both he and Morneau breached the conflict of interest law. Are you trying or are you wondering if there is anything beyond that? Well, the
2: criminal code has very specific provisions banning government officials uh, from taking uh, and their families from taking benefits from people who have government business with them. Uh, That's very clear. So whether the RCMP, for once, will do its job uh, and stop protecting the prime minister, uh, or whether the prime minister will stop interfering with the police force, that remains; uh, op- those remain open questions. But those those sections do exist in the criminal code, and that's why we've asked for the RCMP to investigate.
1: Anything else on consequences that you're looking for? Resignations? Well,
2: Bill Morneau has to resign. He. He broke the ethics act again, and uh, he did so flagrantly. Uh, I don't. Uh, I and and so I, I don't know how what, what to say other than that. You know, the guy personally intervenes to help get a half billion dollar contribution to a group that took him on a forty-one thousand dollar illegal vacation. I I don't know what if you, that doesn't uh, trigger resignation. I don't know what does.
1: Okay, Pierre Polyevre. Thanks so much for being with us.
2: Thank you very much, Libby. Bye now.
1: Bye-bye. Okay, so do you agree with Pierre Polievre's Take on this. He was, of course, one of the toughest questioners yesterday. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And not everyone agrees with the conservative view of what happened yesterday. The Kielberger brothers portrayed themselves as the victims in this episode, saying that the WE charity may sink because of this and sponsors have been bailing so how did the keel burgers do let's bring in a pair of experienced strategists jason leader a conservative strategist and president of enterprise and kim wright principal of wright strategies hello jason and kim <laughs> hello hey let's start with kim how did the keel burgers do Uh, Wow. On about six different levels, they could have,
3: one, uh, you know, checked themselves out a bit before they went on screen and and maybe not use the uh, phrase, uh, if, if even a bit of these things are... Uh, that people are saying about us is untrue, we would, you know, be pale in the face. Well, they looked pretty pale. And they looked, uh, it was not uh, the best video quality. And, and they, you don't want to come across slick on these things. But the problem was that anyone looking at those screens, uh, either they came across a bit smug uh, and they came across as a bit dodgy. Yes, four hours is a long time to be grilled by parliamentarians. Uh, I I felt that they were in some cases, and yes, many of the members of parliament were, were very pointed and, and very aggressive at times uh, with them, but the response to, the response from the Kielbergers should not have been nearly as, uh, as smug and dismissive. Uh, these are parliamentarians trying to get to the bottom of things and, uh, and they were acting as if they were called to the principal's offices. There are consequences to these things and, and significant ones for their business. Jason.
4: Uh, well, Kim, uh, you you led off pretty strongly there, and I, I I'm even going to pile on a little bit more. I thought they were brutal, um, for a lot of different reasons, both in tone and substance. So I think Kim's nailed the tone side of this, which is especially the first two hours of this thing. They were it was like they were in model parliament in U in the UN in high school. They were laughing, they were giggling, they weren't taking it that serious. There was a fundamental unseriousness to it, which I think was a real. A real problem, and then when they got combative in the second uh, hour, I think I think they did benefit. They were being cut off. Uh, you know, there was people sort of bullying them a little bit, which I think actually did benefit them a little bit. Nothing they did, but I think I think that gave them a little bit of room. But that, so that's the tone. But on the substance side, I got to tell you, this this sort of uh, they had two main messages yesterday. One, we did it all for the kids. Number two, we weren't going to benefit at all. That's the messages I think they were they were trying to send. The second message, which is we weren't going to benefit at all. It just, it defies description. It's incredible. And I don't mean incredible in the right way, in the, in the positive way. It's like, listen, you're, you, you know, we've already heard that you, your bank loans aren't up to date. You've had to lay off hundreds of people out of your charity. You're obviously in some financial distress. The idea that, you know, I'm not saying they're taking bags of money out of there, but the idea that you're not going to benefit from an immediate $30 million cash infusion so you can hire some of your people back and keep your operations running. It's just, it's so ludicrous as a message that I think I had a hard time getting past it at all.
1: Yeah, I was wondering about that. I mean, you know, my take on that is it beggars belief and I'm assuming that they're getting some advice from from people like you. (laughs)
5: <laughs> I,
4: I, I don't know whether they're not taking it or they're not getting it, but I, I will say like the, uh, the, 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 any Canadian can watch those and everybody's at the cottage or at the pool or, you know, like, you know, this, this, this is the middle of summer. It's the dog day, but the idea that you're going to make the, you know, that you're the, I, I, we're not going to benefit at all from this immediate $33 million cash infusion into our business is just, it's so ridiculous that it's like, it's hard to say with a straight face. Um,
1: and Kim, I mean, it, it it sort of went beyond that. They were not only we're not going to benefit, but it it to me it sounded we were doing the government a big favor.
3: Yeah, there there was a bit of uh, they were trying to put a bit of a halo effect, uh, and it sometimes because of their weird lighting of bit too literally trying to put a halo effect around themselves on this, and and their whole argument, which is very you know. For many of your listeners who who might watch the the TV show South Park, there was this whole "but what about the children" uh, component to this that was just it 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 rang so hollow, like they were trying to put up this uh, this grand notion of, of of service. And while they have done a lot, and I will give the the We Charity uh, their due, they have done a lot over the years for getting kids involved, getting you know civics. Uh, and community engagement back in, into the into the forefront, but some of their messaging just rang so completely tone deaf. I don't know who they who prepped them, uh, if they just prepped themselves. And sometimes uh, you are your own worst client on those types of things. Uh, but it certainly left more questions than answers. And after four hours on a stand, that's not the message you you wanted to end up with at the end of this. This sets a, a really complicated tone. Uh, for the prime minister when he comes in on Thursday, uh, trying to clean up, trying to play cleanup, uh, some of this stuff, uh, you know, the contribution agreement language and that sort of thing, that's going to be a bit inside baseball. But overall, I think there there were too many gaping holes in in how this moved forward that I'm not sure the prime minister is going to answer properly or to the satisfaction of Canadians. Uh, but he's got he's got to give it his best shot because this this has the uh, making of if nothing else, a cabinet shuffle. Uh,
1: Jason, they also painted themselves at the victims. They said this could sink us, which, which I think is probably true, but
4: yeah, well, they they're they were sinking themselves. That's the weird part. This, yeah. the, you know, this, this is the, um, this is the uh, charity. I, I'm, I like him. I, you know, I watched it from afar. There was a bit of a cult, like sort of following to this thing, you know, it's, the wee days, the there's a you know over the years there was sort of teachers and principals and schools sort of thing is a little weird, but like they built something that was really solid and I think they started out for the right reasons on the free the children side in terms of child labor and it grew into this thing like you know like other than other than the entire board stepping down or being fired not being able to meet your bank obligations and firing hundreds of people things were going great for them you know what I mean <laughs> this, like like I'm I'm joking to make a point but it's like. They really had lost their way and, you know, this, and this, this real estate stuff. I mean, they've got, they've got to hope that CRA and the media stopped digging into this stuff because, you know, how do you accumulate? I think Pierre was saying earlier on the show, how do you accumulate 30, 40, 50 million dollars worth of real estate? Um, it, you know, when you, you're supposed to be putting all your money into, into, you know, children in Africa kind of stuff. So there's a lot of questions and they were thinking themselves. I mean, they'd, they'd lost their way. This was going to be a lifeline. That's what I think we've got to remember here is <clears throat> these guys were in serious financial trouble, they were going to get an immediate 30 to $40 million cash infusion, and that was going to keep them going until after COVID. And by the way, why wasn't YMCA or Heart and Stroke or, you know, Boys and Girls Clubs of Canada, why weren't they offered any of this stuff? That's the problem for Mr. Trudeau, is only one charity was offered the lifeline, and they're all struggling.
1: Well, yeah, and uh, it turns out that his mother, Margaret, was not paid for speaking and expenses until after he became prime minister. I mean, you know, how, how does that look? Devastating. uh go ahead kim no it look it it is not pretty what margaret
3: trudeau has done on mental health can cannot and should not be taken away from her the conversations that she started her book her conversations uh, her uh, they, they should not be diminished by this unfortunately they are uh, you know, even, you know what the what the Trudeau family has done on environmentalism, etc. Look, I'm not a I'm not a Trudeau maniac by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but you know, some of the MPs that were completely disregarding her lived experience as something that should be shared and how you engage your family, how you talk about mental illness, that should never be diminished. Uh, now, how all of this looks, how how uh, when and how they've they've added a uh, her to the speaking roster absolutely that should be questioned and scrutinized uh but i i thought that uh, uh, Mr. Forten and others uh, were doing themselves a disservice when they went after that. I also think
1: that we did a disservice when they tried to go after Charlie Angus's daughters, who had done work with oh, me in the Yeah, past. That, w- that was kind of, you said, you trusted uh, your children to us, and, and Angus said, uh, you're right, I don't trust you anymore, but you were great with my kids back and, in the and, day. And neither
3: do his kids trust
1: uh, we, which was, you know, a
3: pretty, you know, Good on Charlie for for hitting back, but that should have been the kind of thing that, you know, any any uh, person going in front of the committee should have prepped for. Uh, they tried the we the we brothers uh, tried to bring in all sorts of, you know, other political people. but. Here's the thing, you never go after somebody's kids. And I I think they also lost a lot of credibility when they tried to do that.
1: Well, there's the whole lobbying thing. We're we're starting to, uh, we're almost out of time. There was this sleazy revelation at the end that they actually hired a private detective to go after one of the reporters who's been digging around on this, Jason.
4: Well, uh, they wouldn't say yes or no. And uh, I've reviewed the Twitter exchange. I saw it when it came out, a Toronto lawyer and Peter Downard had, had, had tweeted back at Jesse Brown, who was the other journalist that we're talking about here. And yes, it's, you know, it's, listen, it's, these guys have played for keeps. They've been involved in some big battles. And that's the one thing where, you know, you look at these guys on, on stage, it's sort of like a mix between Mark Zuckerberg in front of a, of a, of a parlor or a, a hearing with like a little bit of Trudeau, the worst parts of Trudeau, That's sort of like, I'm, I'm doing it all for you and the sanctimony of it and watching it, you know, it's just like, how do you square the, Hey, you you probably hired a private investigator to look into Jesse Brown's life with we're the best guys in the world and we're just trying to do the best stuff. It's just, it doesn't square. And I think that, that really hurt them a lot.
1: Okay. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Jason Leader and Kim Wright. I'm sure we're going to revisit this. Uh, again, it's not over by any means. Thanks, Absolutely. Libby. Thanks, Libby. Okay. Robin Sears of Ernst Cliff Strategies has done a lot of work with boards, both nonprofit and for-profit, and he joins me now. Hi, Robin.
6: Great to be here, Libby. How are you?
1: Fine. How are you? Surviving. Good. Good. Uh, So, first of all, how do you think the Kielberger brothers did?
6: I thought they displayed two very unpleasant young men, disrespectful, um, insufficiently serious, and uh, swaggering all things one should never be before a parliamentary committee as a witness.
1: Uh, Yeah, I, I was wondering. I mean, I would have assumed that they would have hired someone like you to prep them.
6: If they paid anybody for presentation training, they should get their money back.
1: Okay, so, uh, you know, we've discussed, we've been discussing the political fallout, the consequences possibly for the Prime Minister, but I want to get into the whole thing about the charity and these relationships. Now, uh, one of the things that really twigged for me, even before we heard their testimony, you know, uh, we found out that most of their board resigned en masse, and they tried to portray that as, as the, their regular succession. I mean, how big a red flag is that?
6: Well, you know, Libby, I've done crisis communications, as you said, for profit and not for profit, for many decades. And in most of them, there's a hero and a villain, a good guy and a bad guy, a victim, a whistleblower, But in this one, every single person this fiasco touches is going to come away from it damaged by virtue of their bad behavior. The Kilberger brothers, obviously, Trudeau, obviously, the Public Service of Canada, and I would even say the Canadian media, not to be too unkind to your colleagues, but why did nobody ever do any serious research on this charity previously? There were lots of rumors in the charitable community about governance, about the workplace environment. Uh, etc. So this is really a textbook case of um, a disastrous self-inflicted fiasco on the part of everybody involved. And for me, the core of it is what one might call the celebrity of corruption or the corruption by celebrity. Um, The Kilbergers had star power, and that attracted a lot of politicians to be associated with them. The Kilbergers wanted to advance their organization, so they went out and recruited stars to associate themselves with. And the politicians involved didn't look past the the sparkle and the sense of uh, celebrity to ask themselves, do I really want to do something with a charity that runs luxury resort holidays for its big donors? What kind of a charity does that?
1: Well, and you know uh one more uh you know one more party to uh you know to to call out a little bit and until very recently i, I rely on charity intelligence a lot to mm-hmm. uh, and they didn 't change their ratings until very recently yeah so no,
6: I think i mean celebrity can not only corrupt it can blind, and I think a lot of organizations and people who should have known better were blinded by the sparkle of these two young men and the organization it created. And it's it's an object lesson to, to everybody in public life. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is, and you should do some more research.
1: Well, so I want to get into this relationship between the the charity and the for-profit entity and also what looks like uh, uh, some very sophisticated tax accounting to take advantage of, of charitable taxation yeah. so we know that Craig Kielberger has been on record saying that he thinks Canada's charitable laws are, are too restrictive. Uh, so this me to we uh, for the last year that, that uh, we looked at financials 2019 they the charity paid me to we 4.3 million dollars for all kinds of stuff leadership training, promotional items, books, Chachkas, and then uh, me too. We uh, paid or gave a contribution of four point nine million, and and this after uh, the brothers were insisting every cent of profit went back. So, what do you think about that arrangement?
6: I think it it is um, an aspect of another tragedy of this whole mess, and that is the very common weak governance processes in not-for-profits and charitable enterprises. I don't know that I have a rabbit to pull out of the hat, but I can say that in many of the crisis situations I've been involved in with not-for-profits, it's frequently something the board could have and should have stepped in and done something about much earlier. Uh, The boards are not the same as corporate boards. They're typically fans Previous volunteers, as their chair in this case was, people whose predisposition is not to be a sober second thought uh, forum, but boosters. And when you have a board made up of boosters of an organization, the organization basically doesn't have a board.
1: What about the fact that uh, these are founders? There, there's all kinds of things that go on with founders. There's even a thing called founder syndrome.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, when I was a headhunter, we would often get retained by investors to uh, shoot the founder, as <laughs> searches were called, uh, to find a new CEO when uh, um, a business had begun to take off but was spending more than it should in ways that it should. Um, the same thing happens in charities, of course. And, you know, here's two young men who have never been anything other than stars and who have built this organization, they would argue, themselves out of nothing. And, therefore are not very open to suggestion, let alone criticism. You really need a good board in the face of that kind of situation.
1: How common is it? I mean, uh, Michelle Douglas, the former board chair, said that after a very uh, tense conversation, she was asked to step down by the founder. I mean, isn't it the opposite? Isn't it the board chair who can tell the the CEO or the executives that they've got to go?
6: You're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's a complete misunderstanding of who reports to whom. Uh, it would never happen in a, in a public company. Uh, but again, it's one of the weaknesses of charitable governance structures that, you know, the, the CEO and the inside circle recruit the board members and typically load up the board with friends and allies, people they know are not likely to push back at them or make trouble and they feel that basically they're employees who they can dismiss. Uh, And that, you know, is just a a central weakness of any governance model.
1: So, I mean, what do you think? I'm also not entirely clear on them being offside their covenants. Uh, Can you shed any light on that?
6: I can't, but I can only speculate that it must be uh, that they were spending more money than they were raising, and... uh, they were uh, breaking their credit lines with their banks, but I don't know the details. That would normally be why and how you breach your covenant.
1: Uh-huh. And in terms of the, uh, the, cons- the political consequences, what's your take on those?
6: I think it's too early to tell. I mean, I think Mr. Trudeau's performance tomorrow will either uh, help repair some of the reputational damage for him uh, or make it worse. And if he does what the Kielberger brothers do and what he has often done himself, which is to perform and read from talking points and offer not terribly convincing answers to questions, uh, it will hurt him more. Uh, So the judgment, I think, is one we'll have to make over the weekend when everybody's had a chance to analyze first the brothers and now the prime minister and Katie Telford's uh, testimony. I do hope that they understand that they need to be candid, transparent, and um, open to the suggestion that they should have done more due diligence than they did, and a simple apology is not enough if you don't also explain what lessons you've learned and won't do again as a result.
1: Well, hasn't he uh, said all those things at least twice before?
6: That's the problem with uh, repeat offenses. It gets uh, harder and harder for people to believe you the next time out. But that's no reason not to try. It's better than trying to duck, because if he tries to duck, then it simply will confirm uh, a lot of people's views uh, about him who have hesitations about him. I mean, my friend David Hurley, who's a a very loyal uh, liberal strategist, uh, put his finger on it, I thought, very uh, wisely a few nights ago, um, when he said, you have to understand that these are people who regard themselves as virtuous behaving virtuously to deliver good things for the Canadian public and working with other virtuous people. When you give yourself that uh, designation, and this is my view, not his, it blinds you to uh, reality, let alone advice and criticism, because how could that be true? I'm a virtuous person.
1: You know what? That is my take on the finance minister, Bill Morneau. Uh, i Spent a bit of time with him, a very little bit, and and my read on him is that he is doing this uh, as a, out of a sense of public service. He's a multimillionaire. I mean, and his feeling is, how could anybody think that I'm doing something bad?
6: Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a, a very serious weakness when you allow yourself to get into a mind space that has as a default position any critic is got to be wrong because I'm a good person. Um, You know, good people make mistakes too.
1: So what is, is is Morneau going to be replaced or step down you think?
6: I'm guessing not, Libby. You know, this government has a a history, as the Harper government did before it. to be fair, of defending ministers um, even at the moment of most severe political crisis and only later, if at all, demoting or removing them so they're not seen to be responding to pressure. Uh, I would guess that unless something new comes out about uh, Mr. Morneau's uh, relationships, uh, he's probably going to stay for a while at least.
1: And the upshot for the charity, are they finished?
6: Well, they have a really tough uh, rebuilding process to go through and uh, I think they were wise to hire and announce that they'd hired outside advisors to restructure uh, the organization. Um, I would say they're on probation. I wouldn't say that they're dead. I would just say that they've wounded themselves badly. There are paths to recovery. Uh, If they follow the advice of expert advisors... um, they will recover, but it's going to be a long process, a multi-year process, I and, suspect.
1: And is it going to be a recovery with the Kielbergers or uh, as you used to do, are the founders going to be shot?
6: They will certainly be put on a tighter leash, I would think. Um, and there will certainly be a real uh, empowered board put above their heads uh, with an understanding that, as you say, boards fire CEOs, not the other way around. Um, that's an absolute minimum. Uh, I don't think it's it's credible to think of the organization without the two brothers playing some role, even if it's just their star power in the shop window, as it were, because they are very effective communicators when they're on their game. It's just that yesterday they thought they were um, in a position to attack when they were there uh, in a position to show contrition and apology, and they failed badly at that.
1: Did the, some of the question, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the questioning was very aggressive and, and some of it was total puffball. In in terms of that, do you have a view? Did the Conservatives handle it the right way and, and the Liberals?
6: You know, I think those committee sessions are almost always a disappointment. The politicians of every stripe cannot resist the temptation to put themselves at center stage rather than the witness by asking, you know, particularly provocative and loud Kind of questions with full of innuendo. I mean that remark that Polyev made at the end. uh, Oh, that was very cunning. That was very sly of you to put per your request in your email. Well, no, it wasn't. It's just the thing you do when you're responding to a request from somebody in an email. You know, so politicians find it very hard not to play those kind of games, and as a result, the effectiveness of Any actual substantive inquiry into what the session is supposed to be about is is badly undermined. Um, We've seen it many times before, I'm sad to say.
1: Anything else that you want to see come out of this? I'd like to see the Canadian charitable community
6: um, examine itself with some care about these issues of governance, transparency, accountability, um, because... It is not uncommon that situations like this exist in other charitable institutions. They just haven't uh, stuck their foot in it badly yet. But everybody will who doesn't address these questions at some point, And better to start doing it now before you get caught like the Gilberger have.
1: Okay. Thank you so much for that. Robin Sears from Ernst Young Strategy. Very interesting. Thank you, Libby. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye the Deputy Finance Critic of the Conservative Party, Michael Cooper, MP, joins me now. Hello, Michael.
5: Good afternoon, Libby.
1: What are you hoping to learn from the Prime Minister's testimony tomorrow?
5: He has a lot to answer for, including uh, his failure to recuse himself uh, from the decision to award uh, half a billion dollars to the WE charity, which, of course, uh, is closely connected with his family. And uh, we now learned, as of yesterday, that uh, not only had his immediate family, uh, in in terms of his mother and brother, uh, earned more than $300,000 in speaking fees. They uh, had paid uh, nearly $200,000 in expenses by WE. So it just heightens issues around a conflict of interest. Uh, But then there are a lot of questions about... uh, how this uh, contribution to WE uh, came about, because uh, based upon the testimony of the Kielbergers and uh, the testimony yesterday of Michelle Douglas, the longstanding former chair of WE, uh, if anything, it became more apparent that WE uh, really, how they, uh, this just doesn't make a lot of sense. So there are a lot of questions about that and conversations and communications in terms of how that came to be. Uh, but I have to say I don't have uh, a lot of uh, uh, high. I don't have high expectations about tomorrow because as you pointed out, the Prime Minister is only going to be there for an hour. Uh, we wanted him to be there for at least three hours to provide sufficient time for uh, members of the committee to ask the tough questions, uh, to carefully and uh, examine the Prime Minister, uh, but instead uh, ask the Liberal shut down our committee. Just before we were to vote on that, and so the Prime Minister is going to make an appearance, uh, he'll give a speech, and uh, half the time will be consumed by softball questions from the Liberals. Uh,
1: I don't want to get into the weeds on the process, but uh, this process where each questioner gets a very, very short period of time, uh, does that make it uh, more difficult? No question.
5: Uh, one hour, it means that conservatives will probably get only about 10 minutes to question the prime minister. So very little time.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, now, in terms of the testimony from yesterday, I mean, so far I've, I've talked to a number of people, uh, no liberals, but, but conservatives and NDP and, and nobody thought that the Kielbergers acquitted themselves well. W- what did you think?
5: No, I don't think that they did. I think they were uh, evasive uh, and uh, confrontational and, in my opinion, arrogant. Uh, it's so, so, no, I, I don't think they acquitted themselves well, and there's just a lot more questions coming out of, uh, of their testimony. Uh, you know, one thing is, that is clear uh, in terms of how this ended up going to a shell, uh, Company is that uh, it was designed uh, to protect the the WE organization, the Kielberger Brothers, at risk to the taxpayer.
1: I I just want to uh, clarify that for uh, any listeners who maybe aren't sure what we're referring to, and that is that the actual contribution agreement, or whatever the agreement is called, was not made with the WE charity, but with this WE foundation, and this is where their accounting gets complicated uh That's one of the reasons, apparently that so many members of the board left. They did not think it was a good idea to set up this we foundation and it was supposed to be for real estate uh there was there were no assets in it, and then it was uh there to uh so the we charity wouldn't get the liability. I imagine there's a lot of liability if you're setting up grants for, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people. Uh,
5: No question. And uh, based upon their testimony, it was very clear, but it was all about protecting the interests of we. Uh, We we don't know what kind of remuneration uh, the Kielbergers, for example, would have uh, received. Uh, The contract or agreement certainly provided for salaries without timesheets. The Kielbergers said, well, Uh, we get paid by me to we, well, me to we, uh, pursuant to the agreement, uh, is a subcontractor of the we organization. And, you know, going back to the Prime Minister and uh, the benefits that have been bestowed upon uh, himself and his family uh, by the we organization, when you look at the half a million dollars uh, between fees and expenses uh, paid to the Prime Minister's mother and brother, which is many times more than most Canadians, make, not just in a year, but in several years, uh, all of that just coincidentally happened at or around the time, uh, well, after uh, the Prime Minister uh, was elected in 2015, and at or around the time uh, we was uh, being rewarded handsomely in the way of government grants leading up, of course, to this massive half-a-billion-dollar contribution.
1: How troubling is their failure to clearly respond to how much money they were they're making? Well, lots of questions
5: about transparency. Uh, this organization seemed to be lacking it, and I, I shouldn't just say one organization. I mean, uh, it's a collection of fifteen or sixteen entities uh, that uh, that we know of. And uh, Michelle Douglas, uh, in her testimony. Uh, Uh, certainly uh, elaborated on some of those concerns. But in terms of how this half-a-billion-dollar contribution ended up in the WE organization, uh, I said it's questionable, but when you put it in some context between uh, the testimony of Douglas and the Kielbergers, this was an organization that, in March, was laying off hundreds uh, of staff uh, that was in real trouble And uh, yet, a little more than a month later, according to the Kielbergers, uh, they were already incurring expenses in respect of an agreement that hadn't been signed for nearly two months later, that hadn't yet gone to the cabinet committee, let alone the full cabinet, which didn't happen uh, until three weeks after they were incurring expenses. Uh, according to the Keelburgers, they said, "Well, uh, we got some vague uh, assurance from uh, bureaucrats at uh, Employment and Social Development Canada, and uh, they were prepared to take on this risk because we just wanted to put up our hand uh, to help." Uh, now, if that Didn't requires, they- if that doesn't require a suspension of disbelief, I don't know what does. How does an organization go from laying off hundreds of people a month before? suddenly incurring expenses and risk on the basis that they just wanted to put up their hand to help on the assurances of some lower-level bureaucrats, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't believe that. But
1: didn't they get $30 million up front?
5: Uh, Yes, they did. So, well... And and, uh, and now, uh, of course, the process is taking place to see whether that will be paid back.
1: Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's, it, they said they've had a net loss of five million dollars because of all this. But, uh, so it, it's very murky because they were laying off staff. That, according to the former board chair, the failure to produce documents, that's the reason she stepped down. And then a few weeks later, we heard from the prime minister himself that this was the only organization capable of carrying out this mandate.
5: Right. And uh, I mean, how does that happen? And then we look at what was we doing? Well, we was, after laying off all of, all kinds of staff, they were suddenly ramping up hiring back staff. So that hardly speaks to an organization that has capacity to administer this massive program, let alone the only organization that has the capacity.
1: So what do you still have to know about we in this context? Well, there's
5: a lot of interesting issues with we uh... including uh... a number of questionable transactions that have taken place in terms of the uh, acquirement of uh... multiple uh... properties in, in toronto uh, There are questions about uh... transparency and how they run for organization uh, but really our focus uh... is on uh, the prime minister on the finance minister on issues around conflict of interest, and on how it came to be that this agreement was handed to we. Uh, It raises ethical questions, and at the very least, it raises questions about uh, uh, good governance and the competence of this government.
1: The consensus seems to be that uh, the finance minister will not resign as a result of this. Do you uh, see that? Uh, He should. uh, If this was a normal government, he would. uh, But it
5: isn't a normal government. We have uh, a prime minister uh, who uh, thinks there's one set of rules for he and his friends and another set of rules uh, for everyone else. And in terms of the uh, conduct of the finance minister, uh, if he were to resign, uh, then I think a lot of people would be pointing next to the prime minister because Uh, from everything that we know, uh, the Prime Minister's conduct is equally blameworthy to that of the Finance Minister, if not more so. Uh,
1: So again, uh, anything you want to leave us with regarding uh, your strategy tomorrow?
5: Well, we're going to use the time that we have uh, to ask questions of the Prime Minister. uh, But given the format and the limited time, and and a Prime Minister who's very good at evading. Uh, questions in terms of providing answers, I I have to say I don't have high expectations. Um, And so it may be possible, depending or or necessary, depending on what happens tomorrow and what else we learn, that we may take steps to try to bring the Prime Minister back uh, again.
1: Okay. Uh, Thank you very much for that, MP Michael Cooper, the Deputy Finance Critic of the Conservative Party. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Libby. Okay, Uh, people, uh, you know, we've heard from all sides and we are going to be hearing from you probably on free for all Friday. There's uh, really a lot to uh, chew over on this. And right now, that's all the time we have for Fight Back for today.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.